Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So we're continuing in Paul John Roach's book, Unity and World Religions, and we're on chapter six, Unity and Taoism, and also Confucianism and Shintoism. And again, as a reminder, on the bottom right there, you see that Shintoism, Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism are kind of clustered together because they all emerged around the same time. Taoism and Confucianism are also known as well as Shintoism to be influenced by Buddhism in, in many ways because they're all emerged um, so close to each other with a similar mindset. <clears throat> and here are the symbols that belong to those individual religions, although they themselves probably sometimes don't even consider themselves religions. So we have the yin-yang symbol for Taoism. We have the Chinese symbol for water uh, in Confucianism. And in Shintoism, we have the Tori gate, which is the gate between the living and the spirit. Um, the yin-yang, as you know, is about balance. And then the water in Chinese culture references to a lot of different things. One of it is harmony, but it also represents wintertime. And wintertime, as we all know, is a time of stillness, a time of coming to peace. And so there's already a lot that we can learn about what the focus of these religions are just by looking at the symbolism. Now, the, the Tao, or the Tao, the Tao Taoism and Confucianism, they both have a Chinese origin. And Taoism was created or founded, if you will, not necessarily with the idea of becoming a religion, but Lao Tzu, or Lao Tzu wrote the Tao Te Ching. And Lao Tzu was basically about to retire when he was asked to write down his wisdom. And just to give you some idea, the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, which is basically the scripture, that's all there is to it. It's 81 chapters, um, just a few Chinese symbols, and there's many, many different translations because it's incredibly hard to translate from Chinese into English or any other language. But this is uh, my copy that I use. It's uh, translated by Brown, Brian Brown Walker. And um, he has studied Chinese culture and Taoism for most of his life. It's a very beautiful translation. The beauty about the translations or any translation, most translations about from the Tao Te Ching is that they can differ quite significantly. And they're also very poetic. Often there's a lot of poetry in it, but it's a very powerful, powerful way of approaching our spirituality. 
Then in Confucianism, we have Kung Fu Tzu, which is actually the, the real name of Confucius. Confucius is just a Latinized name of Kung Fu Tzu. And there is five classics that I will show you in a little bit. And then in, in Shintoism, we have purely Japanese origin, no founder, and some of the scriptures there are the Kotiki and the Nihongi, which are chronicles. They're in a way historical documents, but they're mixed with a lot of mysticism. So it's about Japanese culture, Japanese way of living, and being in harmony, especially with nature and with the spirits in nature. This is uh, Lao Tzu uh, as he's writing down. He was kind of like leaving his work. He was ready to retire. And then he was asked on his way out of court, he was asked, could you please write down your wisdom? And you see just some examples there. And here are just some facts. Tao can be translated in many different ways, but one of the major translations that are being used is that Tao means the way, which is exactly what Jesus' teachings were, was called before it became Christianity. The way or the path. The Tao Te Ching is a philosophical Rather than a religious text, it's also an ethical text, and some may even say a political text. It goes into some of those political aspects of life, and it primarily focuses on the harmonious way of living. Harmony and balance is at the core of Taoism. And one of the major things, and I go into that when we look at the five principles, through the Tao lens, is that there is nothing to be fixed. Remember that. In Taoism, the idea is that everything is already in harmony. There's nothing to be fixed. Instead, we're tasked with finding harmony if, for some reason, we believe there is no harmony. Take that for a moment. Look at the world. Look at how we look at the world politics, things that happen in the world, and how often do we see disharmony? In Taoism, it said, there's nothing to be fixed. We need to find harmony. Isn't that incredible? Here's an example of how the yin-yang symbol actually works. That's a photo from an original with the circle of life being represented. Here's a different illustration of that. The idea basically is it goes from yin, the black energy, to yang, the white energy, over and over again, the life circle. It goes through the seasons like that. It goes through life like that, even through the day like that. The expectation is that even on a normal day, we will have both yin and yang to experience and to accept. They both belong. So it's a very interesting point of view. Here's just some examples of how yin and yang work. So we have yin, the black energy, the negative energy, female, night, passive, moon, intuitive, cold, and soft. And then yang, 
positive male, they, active sun, logical, hot, and hard. Now, I don't want you to go and start battling around about male and female. Why are female negative and why are male positive, okay? It's just the way it is, you know? We both have, we both have the female and the male energy in us. It's not about the battle of the sexes at all. Even though it may have been thousands of years ago, nowadays we really see it more as a harmonious way of being. Confucianism, on the other hand, again, Kung Fu Tzu and his followers recorded their ideas in something called the Analects. And there's actually differences in opinion whether the five books are prior to the Analects and the Analects are based on those five books. Analects are sayings, so very similar to Taoism. They're just sayings that are being written down. And uh, whether the five classics were based on the Analects, scholars are in disagreement there. There's different opinions. But the five books are really interesting. So we have poetry, and then we have the book of documents, rites and changes, and the spring and the autumn annals. And those are actually the basic foundation in Confucianism and in China, mostly in Chinese culture. Here is a depiction of uh, Kung Fu Tzu, or Confucius, Confucius. And um, it's a very popular depiction of him with big eyebrows and mustache and all that. And what the focus is in Confucianism is on the ideal person and how that ideal person or superior person operates in a well organized society, well-ordered society. And there's different concepts, so major concept, minor concept, but the most important one are Paul writes about Chen Li and Qi, kindness, honesty, and wisdom, but there's a few more that are important, Sing, Shu, Yi, faithfulness, loyalty, and righteousness. So you'll see there's actually a lot of similarities to other religions, and without even mentioning God up to this point. What's really important in Confucianism is the way we interact with the rest of the world. You have these circles, the self, family, community, country, and world. And then you have more symbols, again, the water symbol, which is a symbol of Confucianism, meaning harmony and stillness, but it also incorporates the yin-yang symbol because balance is important in Confucianism as well. Then we have Jen, the symbol for Jen, social harmony. The symbol for Ru, Ru means scholarship or education. And when you go into Chinese culture, you actually find that education is very important in Chinese culture. Kung Fu Tzu, he actually believed that we need to be educa educated in order to become self-aware and in order to relate to each other. And that cannot necessarily happen without proper education. Doesn't necessarily mean that we need a college degree or anything, but we need to be educated in the way of being. And then Li, honesty and righteousness, it's another important symbol in Confucianism. 
And then Shintoism, in Shinto, Shintoism, the word Shinto means the way of the spirit or the way of the gods. Kami, Kami is the name for all those spirits. It's just a, kind of like a general name. And those spirits are basically in absolutely everything. There are in water, in mountains, in trees, in, in everything that's appearing in nature, even in humankind. And it's the interaction with those spirits that's very important in Shintoism. Shintoism is also very practically oriented, so there's a lot of purifications that are happening, purification rites, rite of passage, marriage, funerals. In some cultures or in some areas, even if you buy a new car or you buy a house, you actually have a Shinto priest come in and celebrate that as part of this entire world order. And then again, Shinto priests perform passages, weddings, funerals, etc. And again, it has no founder. It's still very popular in Japan. And it has also a way of interacting with the world. Here's a, an example of one of those gates, Tori, which is the symbol of Shintoism. You'll see this all over the place in Japan because it does have that symbol, that symbolism of the gate between our world and the world of spirit, the world of all those kami spirits. And it's a very important symbol. In some temples, that's the first thing you walk through in order to kind of symbolize that you are now going from the human world into the spiritual world. In a lot of ways, we feel the same way in the sanctuary, don't you think? That when we enter the sanctuary, it's kind of like we're leaving the world behind and then we're coming closer to spirit. So how does it all relate to our five principles? That's when it gets really interesting. So the first principle asks about God nature. In unity, we say there's only one presence and one power. There's one God, and we call that God sometimes principle, sometimes law, sometimes substance or divine substance, sometimes silence. So we have different words for that. And as you learned last week, it's also very similar and very closely related to the Hindu concept of Brahman, which is eternal, unchanging, infinite, imminent, transcendent reality, has no personality whatsoever. There's no reference to uh, a God, how we would see in more traditional religions such as Christianity, Judaism, or Islam, where there's clearly still that relationship with a God that does something. We don't have that. What about the Tao? The opening words in the Tao, they don't really write about God itself. But I want you to just read along with me. Tao is beyond words and beyond understanding. Words may be used to speak of it, but they cannot contain it. Tao existed before words, 
and names before heaven and earth, before the 10,000 things. It is the unlimited father and mother of all limited beings. Sounds very close to Brahman, right? Or God, something that is beyond even current existence. And even though Taoism, in Taoism, you will hardly find anyone saying, well, we have a God and we have to worship God and all that, you'll actually see the understanding, there is an understanding of the way to be beyond existence. So then in Taoism, we can say there's no definition of God, yet Tao is beyond words and understanding. And again, it's similar to Brahman. It's similar to the Hindu concept of some ultimate reality beyond everything, beyond all the gods, all the saints, all the things that we do. And then in Confucianism and Jintoism, there's no God speculation. I call it speculation here. They don't really talk about God at all. In Jintoism, Kami, those divine spirits, in nature, they have some relevance. But in Confucianism, it's really about the way of being. Spirit has less of an effect. There's some mysticism, there's some ideas around it, but there's no clear definition. It's more about how do we behave, how are we in society, and how do we find balance in the world. So then it becomes interesting to ask ourselves, well, if that's the way God is viewed, how are we then in relationship to that God idea? In unity, again, we have God equals capital U us and small u us, which is that paradox, right? We are expressions of God. In a way, we are part of God, but we're also part of that infinite potential. We are that, I am that I am, and then the idea of oneness. Inseparable, eternal, a soul and spirit. Well, in chapter one, again, at the, at the end of chapter one, in the, in the Tao Te Ching, what we read is Tao and its manifestations arise from the same source, subtle wonder within mysterious darkness. The idea of a source out of which everything comes into manifestation is the same idea as in unity, which is what we call substance or abundance or silence. Out of that comes everything into existence. So then in Taoism, all arise from the same source. So the question there is, do they also believe in oneness? It's not really an answer we have there, necessarily. And then in Confucianism and Jintoism, no God or us speculation. Again, they don't go in to a relationship to some God experience or being. The focus in Confucianism is on bettering ourselves, always become better, become that ideal superior person, and act accordingly in society. And then in Jintoism, it's the interactions of spirits with us. So it's interacting with the tree spirit, interacting with water spirits, interacting with spirits in whatever we relate to. So you can actually compare Kami somehow to the Hindu gods, where there is a specific description 
some sort of a limitation or just definition of, which, of that which is not definable. And instead of being a Shiva or Lakshmi or Sarasvati, it may be a tree spirit or a water spirit. So we have some similarities there. So the third principle, law of mind action, in unity, we can always change our mind and heart, and we can always align ourselves with God, our true nature or not, and we can always awaken to truth or not. And truth, we, we often call heaven, right? Heaven is not a place we go to somewhere in a distant future. Heaven is something we realize right here and right now. We realize it by seeing truth. Kingdom of God is another name of that truth. Brahman, if we want to add, use the Hindu concept, moksha, nirvana, all those ideas in unity are represented in that word, truth. In Taoism, it's all about balance and harmony. We can always find balance and harmony. And here is what I mentioned before in chapter two about that balance. Similarly, being and non-being balance each other. Difficult and easy define each other. Long and short illustrate each other. High and low rest upon one another. Voice and song meld into harmony. What is to come follows upon what has been. There is a strong emphasis on being acceptance of everything, whether we see it as good or bad, whether we see it as right or wrong. There is an acceptance and an invitation to say yes to all of it. So then Confucianism, when it comes to the third principle, has a cohesive approach to harmonious life. So very close to Taoism, it's all about harmony to better ourselves toward an ideal, also very similar to unity. In unity, we believe we already are this ideal. We just need to wake up for it, of it and about it and learn to act accordingly. And then in Shintoism, we have more of the embracing all of nature as reality. It's just the acceptance that everything that is in existence, again, is here in harmony with all of us. So then the fourth principle, in unity, we have prayer, meditation, denials, and affirmations, right? With an emphasis on what is reality. The emphasis on what is, what is real right now? What is truth right now? Are we limited? Are we eternal? Where are our flaws? How can we let go of the flaws? It's all about here and now. In the Tao, chapter 29, and here is the passage that tells you that you don't need to fix anything in Taoism. If you try to grab hold of the world and do what you want with it, you won't succeed. The world wasn't made to be manipulated. Taper with it and you'll spoil it. Hold it and you'll lose it. Very strong emphasis on whatever we experience right now is perfect. And if we don't think or feel that it's per perfect, it's not because 
the world is not perfect, but because we still have to learn. There's still parts of us that needs to find harmony so that we can be in acceptance of everything, which is really difficult, isn't it? I mean, if you think of what just happened in Seoul last night, you know, how can that be perfect? So we are challenged, obviously, with those ideas. But that's what the Tao is basically saying it. When we get hold of it, we'll lose it. When we taper with it, we'll spoil it. So basically in Taoism, we could say, don't mess with the, with the world. Just leave it alone, <laughs> which is very interesting. Surrender to it is the other idea, a very Eastern uh, philosophy of surrendering. And then we have in Confucianism, you practice Zen, Li, Qi, kindness, honesty, and wisdom. And in Shintoism, again, the idea of harmony with nature, with those spirits in nature through rituals and prayers. So those are the tools that they all use. And then when it comes to our action, we must act to be effective. You know all this. In unity, we famously say, it doesn't matter if you know those first four principles at all if you don't act on it, right? If we don't practice the fifth principle, it doesn't really matter that we know that there is only one God and we are that and so on. So forgive and let go of what is no longer true, united and harmonize to achieve unity. And in chapter 67, we have, I have three treasures to hold and protect. The first is motherly love. The second is economy. The third is daring not to be first in the world. With motherly love, one can be courageous. With economy, one can be expansive. With humility, one can lead. Now, we need a little bit translation on those translations. Ultimately, it's talking about compassion, moderation, that's the economy bit, and humility. That's the actional part in Taoism. Be compassionate, live a moderate life, and be humble. Very simple, isn't it? And then Confucianism, we have Chen Li Qi, kindness, honesty, and wisdom again, and then Sing Chung Yi, faithfulness, loyalty, and righteousness, which we've seen before. And in Jintoism, again, the rituals, the prayers, the giving offerings is another part that's really symbolizing that active part in Jintoism. So you'll see in comparison to the Abrahamic tradition, to Hinduism and Buddhism, the focus is very strongly on how to be and what to do. And Buddhism is very similar to that, isn't it? Buddhism actually has a lot more practices and a lot more detail onto it than we have in the Tao Te Ching. The Tao Te Ching is almost designed for us to make up our own minds. We read it, and then we decide what we're going to do with it. So in summary, we could say, when we just compare those four, religions, if you will, Taoism, Confucianism, Shintoism, and unity, it's all about the way of life. Even in unity, it's about learning to live. And 
in a proper or righteous way to live. It's about harmony and balance. In unity, we also try to find harmony, for example, between the male and the female, between father and mother God, right? They're not separate. They cannot exist without each other. It's about harmony in our lives when we do anything, and then we can all do it. That's the other important aspect that in all of those religions that we all can do it. There's no excuse, which is what I really love about unity and about those Eastern philosophies. It's not complicated, isn't it? You don't have to go to a ch specific church or listen to a priest or do a certain ritual in order to be accepted. You just do it. And because of that, we all can do it. And so before we move into meditation today, I want to read to you. Can't do it with my paws. So the, <laughs> the last chapter, chapter 81 of the Tao. True words aren't elaborate. Elaborate words aren't true. God people don't argue, uh, good people don't argue. People who argue aren't good. People who know aren't full of facts. People who are full of facts don't know. The sage doesn't hoard. She increases her treasure by working for her fellow human beings. She increases her abundance by giving herself to them. The way of heaven, benefit all, harm none. The way of the sage, work for all, contend with none. Beautiful closing words of the Tao Te Ching, and that concludes today's message on Taoism, Confucianism, and Shintoism. And let us just take a few moments in meditation. So I invite you to settle your mind and heart. And often it helps if we just plant our feet firmly on the ground. But most of all, we have to be comfortable. So find a comfortable way of sitting. then place your hand on your knees or whether they're up or down doesn't matter that much 
Just find a good, comfortable position. So we're using the Tao today as an inspiration. The idea of the yin and yang, the light and dark, the positive, the negative. And we're allowing our breath to simply state and affirm that whatever it is that life presents itself to us with, it is perfect. Especially right now as we meditate together. When our thoughts and feelings wander off, we gently bring them back, back to harmony and balance, back to the idea of perfection. Back to the very interesting way of seeing that nothing needs to be fixed. Nothing needs to be fixed. So take for a moment your life. The life as an individual and as part of this community. A life that is participating in society, the country, the world, the universe. Give yourself permission to just be exactly who and what you are. Embrace the idea of water, the symbol of water, the river that flows, regardless whether we fight against it or go with it. Water represents a stillness, a kindness, and consistency.
Again, no judgment around good or bad, light or dark, just is. So we're allowing this ideal way of being to embrace us, dive into it, become that ideal. And as we affirm together that we already are this ideal person, we celebrate this reality with our community and recognize the kindness and the beauty that we're able to express. So in gratitude, we allow this meditation to come to a close celebrating the different religions we have studied, the different philosophies we have embraced, and recognizing that in unity, we can allow each other to live the way we choose and find our own way as well. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org. 